Dennis Magnus. I'm not really sure what. You see, guys, I'm I'm not completely sure if this is going to be an episode of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality or Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality. I'm not really sure which it's going to be yet. I guess what's going to really tell the tale on this is uh, how long this episode ends up being. Maybe that's going to be a good criterion to use. For those of you who don't know, basically what I do is I start off an episode with basically like a handful of uh, bullet points of about whatever subject that I want to talk about. And then from there, I pretty much just pants my way through the rest of the episode. And that seems like it works best, at least for me. I don't know, maybe I've got ADD or something, I don't know. But it's that's what works best for me. Now, some people will type up, and I mean like fucking like word for word, everything that they're going to say in an episode. And boys and girls, I just cannot do that. So anyway. So because of that, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, and so because of that, I'm not really sure if this is going to be an episode of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality or Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality. It's going to be one or the other, but whatever it is, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and obviously I'm a little bit off-kilter today because, well, all the reasons I just outlined, but one of the things that I wanted to do now that the hiatus is over is be a little bit more intentional about talking about movies, right? Because ostensibly what I'm here to do is talk about comics, movies, and TV shows, but as I've pointed out on a great number of occasions now, comic books have probably accounted for something like 80 or 85 or maybe even 90% of uh, episodes of Trennis Magnus Punch's reality, even though my official credo is the comics, movies, and TV shows bit, right? So one of the things I've wanted to do, like I say, is I guess be a little bit more deliberate about talking about movies because right, wrong, or indifferent, a lot of people love movies, especially comic book movies, and those just tend to be rather popular episodes. A good example of what I mean is the episode I did a few weeks ago about the Mask of Zorro, whose download numbers shocked even me. I mean, even I wasn't really... I mean, I figured there would be some interest, but I, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was caught pretty off guard by that. I was not expecting that. So, you know, just the traction that episode got. So uh, that was quite a surprise. So it's definitely time, I think, to talk about some movies. Now, one of the reasons this has been kind of a challenging thing for me lately is because there's really not a whole lot in comic book cinema that has captured my imagination, right? I talked about, or a little bit, not a whole lot, but I I released a, a, an episode a, a few weeks or months ago about the East Rail 177 trilogy, which is to say Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. And that was not a comprehensive episode. It was just basically meant to talk a little bit about each of those films. And then maybe just put them in a drawer and and save the individual films for another day. So, But in any case, those aren't really comic book films in the strictest sense of the word, so I don't really think that counts. So there's that. There's also the upcoming Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. And guys, I'm the guy in the room that's really looking forward to that. That looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting film, and I can't wait to see it. 
And guys, apart from that, there's just not very much that's happening with comic book cinema right now that really has my interest, you know? And so what I've been doing, and this was at the time that I record this, I'm talking about last week, but last week, relative to the time at which this episode was recorded, I spent quite a bit of uh, time watching movies. But not comic book films. Uh, basically, I would just make a post on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group each night, talking about the Martin Scorsese film that I'd set aside for that particular evening, and just letting it go from there. Guys, what I've been wanting from film lately has been movies that are about actors, or acting, or story, or whatever. And I'm... This is going to sound snooty and elitist and snobby. And considering the number of comic books that I've talked about on this show, I hope I've got cred with you guys by now. But I'm really trying to watch movies that don't have heat vision or capes or any of that stuff. I just want to watch a fucking movie. And like I said, I think a great big part of that is probably due to the fact that I just haven't really been getting, uh, getting into a lot of comic book movies lately, you know? There's... Guys, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I've become accustomed to over the years, it's being out of sync with the rest of fandom, right? I've just kind of gotten used to the idea that me and the rest of the fans of anything, we don't necessarily agree on everything, you know? And that's something that, you know, I accepted a long time ago, and so it doesn't... For a long time, it it, it just had stopped bothering me. But guys, we're kind of reaching a point right now where me and the rest of fandom... I mean, I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of anything that we do agree on anymore. And not even necessarily limited to comics and just geek-oriented anything, just other stuff too. But specifically, though, as it relates to my podcast anything to do with the geek community. It's just... It's getting harder and harder to find anything that we really agree on, you know? And I'm the guy in the room that just... I like Marvel Phase 1, you know, the MCU Phase 1, but it's just the more that things move on from there, the less attachment to an investment with the MCU that I've got, you know? Um, there's just, there's not really been a whole lot of MCU anything for a long time now. It's really captured my imagination. So, that's one thing. And then goings on with the DCEU, that's been its own fucking rigmarole, and so I don't even really want to get going into that. So, like I say, there's just not a whole lot going on in comic book movies these days that seems like it's up my alley, apart from maybe this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. And again, that looks interesting, but it's not like it's not like I've got secret information about that movie or anything. I haven't seen it either, guys. So, I'm basically going off of the trailers, which make makes this thing look kind of like Taxi Driver in Joker makeup is basically what we're talking about here. That's the vibe I'm getting from the movie. And so, anyway. But the one franchise that has shocked the hell out of me, to be honest with you, but the one franchise that has been, I think, just incredibly underrated and consistently entertaining, at least for me, 
has been the X-Men films, you know? And I'm going to be real honest with you guys, I would not have predicted that, you know? Uh, when all this comic book cinema stuff was starting to take over Hollywood, if you if you had told and I mean like looked me in the eye, right? If you had told me, just looked me in the eye and said, hey, Magnus, when all the dust has cleared on this stuff, your favorite films are probably going to be the X-Men movies. I would have laughed in your face, all right? But damned if that's not what what's happened, because, like I say, the DCEU has pretty much left me cold. I don't really think Warner Brothers completely... I don't think they know what completely what they're doing right now with the with the DCEU. The uh, MCU, as I say, it's just been diminishing returns for me more and more and more as time has gone by. And so all of that is kind of a roundabout way of introducing the subject, which obviously is X-Men films. These have been the movies that have, like I say, I wouldn't have predicted this, but those are the ones that have been the most consistently enjoyable and entertaining, at least for me. And so it was with a little bit of a heavy heart, I suppose, that I kind of followed, not in laborious depth or anything, but I did follow some of the goings-on with the production of Dark Phoenix. And I think I'm even on record saying that I'm a little bit skeptical that this movie is even going to come out. Well, come out it did, so I guess I was wrong. But I was a little bit skeptical that this movie was even going to come out. But if it did, I mean, the well had been so poisoned with fans, I just didn't see any possible way that this movie was going to be all that successful or be all that respected or, or what. And sure enough, it wasn't. It looks like right now Dark Phoenix is in the midst of uh, tanking it uh, at the box office. I mean, I, I don't see how Dark Phoenix... Uh, even comes close to, to breaking even at the box office, uh, much less turning a profit. And if you ask me, I mean, that that's a real shame because this franchise, the, these X-Men films, have arguably done more than any other series of films to promote the place of comic book cinema in, in the popular consciousness. And the part about this that really bothers me is that history, because of the fact that it looks like the, you know, the X-Men series is ending, or at least the pre-MCU X-Men series, is ending on such a low note that history may not fully respect the fact that the X-Men films arguably are the founders of the feast when it comes to comic book cinema as we know it today. Now, yes, you can make that that same argument about the Spider-Man movies or the Blade films or even Chris Nolan's Batman from a certain point of view. But, I mean, for me, like I say, what I kind of view as the real catalyst for just the domination that comic books have over, uh, over Hollywood right now, for me, all roads lead back to the X-Men, you know? I'm not saying that there weren't other influencing factors. I'm not saying that there weren't other uh, uh, other creative uh, people involved. There weren't other movie series involved, other characters, other actors, other writers, other directors, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, for me, it all comes back to the X-Men. And so for the X-Men franchise, as we've known it, to end on just such a bad note, 
is for me that's heartbreaking. Number one, like I say, just because of you know the historical value that I'm not sure that the X-Men films will be understood to have in the years to come. There's that. But then there's also the fact that, guys, I don't get it, okay? I really don't understand what it is that people hate so much about Dark Phoenix because I saw the movie yesterday with my wife and I gotta tell you guys, I mean, I went into this thing with my expectations just abysmally fucking low. I didn't have any spoilers or anything like that, but it had been made very clear to me that the people who had seen this movie, they spoke in very general terms, but like, uh, the the majority of of their remarks about the film were variations on, man, this is the suckiest suck to ever suck the suck. Man, this movie fucking sucks, you know? And I thought, geez, if this many people hate the movie, I, I'm gonna see it anyway, but damn, I mean, like, what am I walking into? And I've got, like I say, I've got a personal in, uh, investment in the X-Men films uh, anyway, because like I say, those are the only ones that just really entertain me these days. But especially with this first uh, first class series of films, I've kind of got a little bit of a, a, of a uh, nostalgic connection with them because, you know, Stacy and I first started dating not very long before X-Men First Class came out, right? I don't know if that's something I've made a big deal out of mentioning, but it is true that she and I, we'd only been dating for like three, maybe four, maybe five weeks at the time that uh, X-Men uh, First Class came out, and we saw that movie together. And I just, I look back on, on that weekend in general, and I've just got... Not just because of the movie, you understand, but partly because of Stacy. But, you know, between Stacy, who I love and obviously am married to now, and the movie, which I greatly enjoyed far more than I was originally expecting. And I went in there with some pretty high expectations, guys. But it's just, I look at everything to do with uh, first class, and everything about that is just happiness for me. You know, that was just an overall happy time in my life. And so I've got a lot of nostalgia just for that, you know, just that personal connection right there. So there's that going on. And then uh, the next the next movie in in the series was Days of Future Past. And here again, Stacy and I, we went to see that together on my uh, then employer's dime, I might add. Uh, they basically bought tickets, you know, for anybody, any employee at the company who wanted to go see the movie. And I think we even ended up seeing it like a week early, or it may have been as long as a week early, like a week before its release date, but it, at the very least, it was several days before the uh, the uh, public release date. So we got to, so number one, we got to see a movie at all on my employer's dime. And then we got to see it really before it officially came out. And so just all in all, you know, that was kind of cool all by itself. But then I got to take Stacy with me. So that was cool. And then there's the fact that Days of Future Past is just a great X-Men movie. I dig Days of Future Past, uh, Days of Future Past in a uh, in a big way. And so here again, I mean, this is another little bit of nostalgia specifically related to the first class series. And then you get into Apocalypse, and a lot of people don't really like it all that much. I mean, to a lesser degree, it's like I kind of have the same issue there. 
I don't see the problem with Apocalypse. I mean, I guess to me this is another X-Men movie with everything that implies. But, you know, nevertheless, this is a... That was... That was just an enjoyable thing. I mean, Stacy and I were kind of going through a little bit of a hard time when Apocalypse came out. And so the weekend that we watched it together, it was just fun, you know? It was just... It was just enjoyable, you know? And I... I don't have quite the same level of nostalgia for Apocalypse as I do First Class and Days of Future Past, but still, I mean, Apocalypse is a pretty enjoyable movie, and I've had a fun time uh, watching it with Stacy, so, so there's that. And so there was no way I wasn't seeing Dark Phoenix uh, in theaters, and then sure enough, we did. And like I say, guys, I went into this thing with my expectations really low, just based on everything that I'd heard about the movie, which wasn't much. I mean, like, again, not specific spoilers or anything like that, but just a general sentiment of this is not a good movie at all. And so watch the movie, and it's like, I don't see it. Like, whatever movie you guys watched, this is not the movie that I watched, because here again, it's it's an X-Men movie with everything that implies. And... I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, I don't see what the problem is with it, you know? I, I really don't. So from here on in, guys, a, a spoiler warning is in effect. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the specifics of Dark Phoenix. Don't Try not to think of this as, you know, a, a comprehensive, definitive episode about Dark Phoenix. I'm sure I'm going to revisit it at some point in the future to kind of give it a little bit more of a thorough working over. This is more of, uh, of like a uh, first impressions uh, type of thing. This is where I'm coming from in a general sense right now with Dark Phoenix. And at some point, like I say, I may revisit that. I reserve the right to do so. But I'll just take it from the top and say that this isn't really a criticism of the X-Men films that I've seen. And I've seen all of them except for Logan at this point. And I just, I don't know. I just have not made a priority of, uh, of seeing Logan. I'm not sure if I ever will. Uh, maybe it's just personal baggage of my own that we probably shouldn't get into here. But I don't, I just... Basically, the, the big pitch of what Logan is all about, it just doesn't seem like it's for me. All right, so maybe that's the best way to put it. Nice and diplomatic like that, you know? So there's that. So this is the real end of the X-Men series in general, or I guess, again, the pre-MCU X-Men series in general. And not... Like, like I say, this is not really intended to be a gripe or a quibble or a criticism or anything like that, but of the X-Men films that I've seen, I do think it's fair to say that Xavier doesn't really have a big character arc in X-Men X2 and X3, right? He doesn't really have an arc. He's got a little bit more of one, I would say, in First Class. And he's got, I think, a, a pretty prominent one in uh, Days of Future Past. You know, I, I, I kind of like the arc that, uh, that uh, uh, Professor X goes on in, in Days of Future Past. But, you know, just as a general thing, 
in most of the films, Professor X is shown to be not exactly two-dimensional, but he's not... He's got a lot of personality, he's got a history, there's been some world-building and some character development that's gone on with him, but he typically doesn't really have a major arc. And I've outlined a few exceptions to that, but those prove the rule, right? And he doesn't... He doesn't have a huge arc, I would say, in Dark Phoenix, because this is really, I would say, Jean Grey's story, as, as it should be. But Professor X, number one, he does have an arc in, in Dark Phoenix, and number two, it's a little bit of an arc of redemption, you know? And I kind of like that, because typically, Professor X has been portrayed as nigh-incorruptible, you know? This is a guy who is unshakable, he has ideas, he has values, and those are never challenged. He's never shown to be wrong, or mistaken, or, or anything, you know? He's shown to be right, most of the time. And very rarely does the viewer have occasion to, to question Xavier's point of view. Except in Dark Phoenix, where, you know what, we do have now occasion to question Xavier's point of view somewhat. The movie starts off with Xavier ordering a space rescue mission for the X-Men. There's a shuttle that's ha uh, the Endeavor. Uh, they're having trouble. They're Basically, they've gotten bushwhacked by the Phoenix Force, and so the X-Men have to fly off to rescue them. And Raven later calls Professor X out on that. It's like, she's like, look, this was a fucking dangerous thing to do. I mean, it seems like Jean is okay, but she could have died. The rest of us could have died too. Now, yeah, it sucks that these astronauts, that they may, may have died out in space in the middle of this, uh, of this mission that they were on. But you know what? Motherfucker, that's what they signed up for. Okay? That's their job. That's what they're here to do. And... You seem to overrule our safety so that you could send us off to rescue them. And you just don't seem to have all that much regard for whether or not we come back alive or not. And Xavier's answer for that is like, is basically, look, guys, we are one accident away from being uh, uh, feared and hated all over again, okay? We are one accident away from uh, the internment camps, okay? We are one accident away from the Mutant Registration Act, from the Sentinels, and from God knows what else. And so, yeah, your lives are worth less than theirs to me because, look, if you guys die trying to save humans... That reflects well on mutants. If humans die and mutants do nothing, or if humans die because mutants are fighting each other, that's not a good thing. That's a very non-good thing, in fact. And it's like the bar just the barbaric attitude that he has. It's like on the one hand, yeah, you can kind of see where he's coming from. He's like, look, we have to make nice with the humans as much as we can. Because Professor X, of all people, knows exactly what's on the other side of any kind of conflict or war with humans, okay? We saw it at the beginning of Days of Future Past, and Professor X, in this timeline, 
he saw that too. He's doing everything in his power to head that off at the pass. But at the same time, Raven has kind of a legitimate point. You know, Professor X, the, uh, the, the, the uh, peacenik, the pacifist, here he is putting his, his own people in harm's way, and he's the good guy. Meanwhile, later on in the movie, we catch up with, with Magneto, and he's running, running the show out, uh, out in uh, Genosha. And you know what's not happening in Genosha? Magneto, the terrorist, the murderer, the war criminal, etc. His people are living in peace. He's not sending anyone out on suicide missions. He's offering uh, any mutant who wants to who, who wants to move to Genosha. He's offering them safe harbor, a safe place to live. And it's this weird sort of contradiction that's going on between Professor X, the uh, like I say, the uh, pacifist who doesn't think twice about sending his people off on suicide missions or potential suicide missions, uh, as compared to Magneto, the war criminal, uh, the, uh, the brutal tyrant who's killed how many people now? Who's created a place of safety for his people. And it's this weird contradiction, this tension that exists and should exist, I think, between Professor X and Magneto, the strange uh, tension betwixt and between their different points of view that kind of makes you wonder. You've got Professor X on the one hand and his pacifism, and then on the other hand, you've got Magneto and his mutant supremacy. Is there a middle step between those two? Is there a middle way where true peace can be found. And it seems, guys, like Magneto has hit upon that in creating Genosha. You know, this it's ba basically he's a mutant. He's no longer a mutant supremacist anymore or a mutant nationalist. I guess he's more of like a mutant separatist. He just wants to have his own place where his people can live and they don't have to live in fear. And notwithstanding the fact that at least at the beginning of Dark Phoenix, mutants don't seem to be running in fear. Magneto tends to usually take the long view on these things. His attitude seems to be, look, things may be going okay right now, but it seems like he kind of agrees with Professor X in some ways that we're just one accident away from some very difficult times. And so I'm going to go ahead and set up shop in Genosha and you guys, you do what you want. If you want to move to Genosha, that's fine. But uh, I'm going to move away from this situation now. And I just like... It says so much about both of those characters. And maybe that's one of the things that I'm going to miss the most about, I guess, Fox X-Men. Is that... There have been times when... The budget wasn't necessarily there for these. I mean, usually these movies have pretty big budgets, but then there have been times when the budget is maybe a little bit low, and so they have to rely that extra little bit on on character and writing and motivation and conflict and all the traditional tricks of the trade. And it really does play like gangbusters all through these first-class films. You know, to me... The beating heart of these first-class movies, without question, is uh, Professor X and Magneto, you know? 
there are times when they agree and they're on the same side. And then there are times when they disagree very much. And I like the conflict between the two of them, the interplay. That it's not that one of them is completely right and the other one is completely wrong, but they have something to teach each other. They have ways of tempering one another. And I'm talking so much about these two in the context of Dark Phoenix, which I just acknowledged is Jean Grey's story, but I can't help it. When it comes to the first class movies, my first love with these characters is Professor X and Magneto. I have an investment in uh, uh, McAvoy's uh, Professor X and Fassbender's uh, Magneto that just doesn't really exist quite as much with Patrick Stewart's um, uh, Professor X and Ian McKellen's Magneto. I like those actors and those roles, but for me, it all comes back to McAvoy and Fassbender. For me, I just think they're, I just get more enjoyment out of them. If for no other reason than they just seem to be on overall better speaking terms with one another. Whereas in X-Men 1 through 3, yeah, there's a mutual respect of sorts that exists between Professor X and Magneto, but there's also a lot of water under that bridge that just doesn't really exist quite as much with McAvoy and Fassbender. So that's just me. So, but just to address Jean Grey, I like Sophie Turner in the role. I think she's great. Every time she's on the screen, I never miss Fomke Jansen. And I love Fomke Jansen. Don't get me wrong. She's great in the role too. But when Sophie Turner's on the role, man, I'm not missing anybody else. I just... I like the energy that she brings to the role, the, uh, the, it's not even confidence. She has a bravado that masks a lot of fears and insecurities and doubts. And I would say even to a, to a large degree, especially in Dark Phoenix, self-loathing, you know, this is a character who is not at peace with herself, especially in Dark Phoenix. And Sophie Turner, I think, nails it. You know, here again, I don't see the fucking problem with this movie. I just don't. You know, uh, the writing's great, the directing's great, uh, the acting is great. It's it's all great. You know, I, j I don't see what the fucking problem here is. Uh, that's just me. So anyway, uh, now, guys, I'm not gonna blow sunshine for any of you. You know, nothing is perfect, and I would be the first to admit that. You know, Dark Phoenix ends with. I've got a couple of notes here that I want to go through, and one of which is Dark Phoenix ends with Xavier having retired to France, and it's implied that he's going to be moving to Genosha before too long, and I assume this is all still set in 1992 when Beast has taken over as dean of the school at that time, right? And there's a teeny tiny minor bit of discontinuity going on with that in as much as Days of Future Past, which ends in 2014 with Logan reuniting with Professor X. And Professor X is shown to be Dean of the School in 2014. So I guess we can no-prize this by saying that Professor X comes out of retirement sometime after 1992, but before 2014, and resumes his post as the school's Dean. But it's still kind of weird, you know? It's kind of weird. So, um, another note is 
this may be easier to explain, but it's implied that Jean died in Dark Phoenix, and yet we see her happy, healthy, and whole in 2014, again, at the end of Days of Future Past, but this one's uh, maybe a little bit easier to manage because Dark Phoenix ended by implying that Jean is still very much alive. And considering that there's no shortage of precedent for Jean to come back from the dead in the comics, I think we can reconcile the ending of Dark Phoenix with the ending to Days of Future Past relatively easily, but I just, I want to at least acknowledge that yes, this is a thing. So, anyway. Another issue going on here relates to Apocalypse, right? X-Men Apocalypse. Now, this could be an interpretive problem only for me. I may be the only one who's having this problem, but the big climax for Apocalypse is Apocalypse kicking the shit out of Xavier, at which point Jean gets off the bench, and then she kicks Apocalypse's ass. What I took from that is that Jean beat Apocalypse by using the Phoenix Force in the movie Apocalypse. And this took place in 1983, but Dark Phoenix shows Jean becoming possessed by the Phoenix Force for the first time in 1992. So how are we supposed to interpret this? Did Jean Grey pound the shit out of Apocalypse using her natural abilities? Or did the shit pounding take place in Apocalypse with her using the Phoenix Force and then there's simply some discontinuity going on with Dark Phoenix? I don't know, but I welcome some clarification on that. Now, another thing, and this isn't really anything to do with continuity or anything, this is just, I guess, really more a matter of preference on my part. Hans Zimmer scored Dark Phoenix, and I gotta tell you, this came as a surprise, at least to me, since Zimmer announced ages and ages ago that after Batman v Superman, he was retiring from scoring superhero films, but I don't know, I guess he had a change of heart, maybe? So far, though, Zimmer's Dark Phoenix score just isn't really grabbing me. As things stand right now, I find myself missing John Ottman's music quite a lot, so maybe that's just me. So, anyways, now I guess there's maybe some more, some more things I could go through, other things that, you know, other points I, I could tackle, but by and large, I guess the way I want to close out this episode is, I guess it's just by saying that I really enjoy these movies. In particular, I enjoy the first class series of movies, and I'm kind of, uh, not kind of, I am, I, I am really sad to see these movies end at all, but I'm doubly sad that the X-Men film series, as we've known it, is ending on such a down note. I mean, the movie's failing at the box office. It, uh, it's the critical reaction to it has been pretty fucking toxic. And it's just overall, you know, just the acid bath re uh, reception that this movie has gotten. Number one, I think it's way out of proportion to what this movie is. I really enjoy this film. And number two, I think this franchise deserves a lot more respect than it's probably going to get in the years to come. And like I say, I mean, that's that's a damn shame, you know? There's a tremendous debt of gratitude that is owed to these movies that I'm not sure history will ever fully acknowledge. And 
that saddens me, you know. If I could have had it my way, you know, things would have turned out different. But anyway, we all know it's really just a matter of time until uh, the MCU starts releasing uh, X-Men films, you know, in the context of the MCU. And you know what? Maybe those movies will be good. Maybe they won't. But I just kind of liked things the way that they were. I liked, in general, the way that Fox was managing this movie series. And I kind of lament that Disney has to buy everything under the fucking sun. And maybe things were better off the way that they were before. I don't know. Anyway, so that's pretty much that. Like I say, none of this is meant to be a comprehensive discussion on my part about Dark Phoenix. Don't be surprised if I revisit this, you know, in the future. And at least for right now, I'm going to miss these films. I know that. And But at the same time, all good things come to an end sooner or later. And there are on a I guess on a creative level there are worse ways for this this uh, X-Men franchise to conclude so I don't know but it looks like this is going to be an episode of Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality so uh, I don't know but whatever we'll see but uh, no matter what guys thanks a lot for listening write in and let me know what you think you know do you agree do you disagree do you think I'm crazy about these movies you know like I'm just totally wrong or whatever, write in and let me know. You can send me an email at trentusmagnus at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. Go ahead and send me an email if you like, and uh, just let me know what you think. So I think that's pretty much it for me uh, for right now, though. So bye, everybody. I'll see you next time, whenever that might be. I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, 
All feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise! Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And, just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trinus Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon, because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>